Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. On Primetime Politics tonight, more upheaval at defense as the just-appointed Chief of the Defense Staff steps aside facing allegations of sexual misconduct. The Minister of National Defense is here to answer questions about that. Canada's Auditor General joins me to discuss the federal government's failings on shipbuilding, on rail safety, and on drinking water in First Nations communities. And could the rapid spread of COVID-19 variants lead to another big spike in infections? And we'll begin tonight with another senior Canadian Defence Commander under investigation. The newly appointed Chief of the Defence Staff, Admiral Art MacDonald, has voluntarily stepped aside while he's being investigated for sexual misconduct. Admiral MacDonald was just appointed by the Prime Minister in December to the top post at National Defence. MacDonald took over the top job at Defence from General Jonathan Vance, who is now himself under investigation for allegations of sexual misconduct. The day MacDonald took over from Vance, he spoke about his commitment to reforming the culture in the Canadian forces. I apologize to you, my teammates, our teammates, who have experienced racism, discriminatory behaviour and or hateful conduct. I'm deeply sorry. I want you to know that I will do all that I can to support you, to stop these unacceptable acts from happening and to put into practice our guiding principle, respect the dignity of all persons. Creating a respectful environment is a responsibility that we all share, and I believe that together we can eliminate racism, anti-Semitism, misogyny and discrimination from our ranks. Harjit Sajjan is Canada's Minister of Defence, and you can see he's with me now. Minister, good to see you again. Thanks for taking time to speak with me. Likewise. Good okay. to see you again. Uh, look, can you, what can you tell us about the nature of the allegation or allegations against Admiral MacDonald? Uh, one thing I, I can't talk about any investigation. I mean, that's uh, for obvious reason. We have to allow for an independent investigation uh, to occur. But one thing I can tell you, how seriously we take any allegation. We have an absolute zero tolerance policy. And as I've stated before, regardless of rank, regardless of position, that we will take uh, action. And what I also can say, as I stated in my statement uh, before, that he has voluntarily um, um, uh, stepped aside, gone, gone on leave, right. and that I have appointed uh, Lieutenant General Wayne Eyre as Acting Chief of Defence Staff. Right, so when you say that you uh, won't hesitate to take action, he voluntarily stepped aside. So what action did you take? The uh, is to appoint an acting chief, chief of defense staff and that the current investigation will take its course. Um, this is how a process works, making sure that any allegation that comes forward, we take immediate action um, on it, which is so that the, that the allegation can be thoroughly uh, investigated, because that's exactly what is needed to make sure that there's a fair process. What did you know? Uh, what did you know about an investigation before he stepped aside? When did you find out uh, there were questions about um, Admiral MacDonald? Well, the only thing I can say is it's it's, uh, it's uh, very recent, but unfortunately, because of the, uh, it's in, there's an ongoing investigation, I cannot give more. I know there's going to be a lot of questions uh, on this, but for obvious reasons, as Minister of National Defense, I can't talk about the investigation because no, but, one, but you can talk about you can talk you, you can talk about your actions though, and and he voluntarily stepped aside. So when did it come to your attention that there was an investigation into Admiral McDonald that? 
Uh, I mean, what we have here is an investigation that's been underway for some amount of time, and he voluntarily stepped aside. You didn't, you didn't ask him to resign. You didn't fire him. He stepped aside. So, um, you know, what, what exactly uh, were you told and what did you know before Admiral McDonald decided he would voluntarily step aside? Well, when it comes, I can tell you that it's, uh, it has been recent, but when it comes to when an NIS actually starts an investigation, that is up to them. They're completely independent of when, how investigations um, Right, right, but are, when were you told he was under investigation? Uh, as I stated, I can't, uh, when it comes to uh, this, it, it was very recent. Unfortunately, I can't provide any more information on that because uh, there's an ongoing investigation. Right, I'm not but asking for details about the investigation. When were you told he was under investigation? Even there, I mean, given the legal advice that I've been given, I would be interfering with the investigation by providing anything more than that. And the, what, what one thing I can assure you, that we take very take things very seriously, and that's why we've taken the appropriate action in this case here. We want um, uh, uh, women to feel come, come forward if they want to, but to let them know that they will be heard, that they will be, their allegations will be taken seriously, and that they'll be, and at the same time, once the appropriate investigation uh, occurs, the appropriate action will be taken. Okay, you've, you've talked about women coming forward, so will you confirm that these are allegations of sexual misconduct involving a female crew member uh, a decade ago aboard a Canadian warship? Can you confirm that when Admiral McDonald was a captain taking part uh, in northern exercises. You just said you want women to feel they can come forward. So is this a case of sexual misconduct? But as you know, that I cannot talk about any investigation. And the question that you're asking, um, will, will uh, it, any, any type of answer that I give is an interference in the independence of the investigation. All I can say is that, that we will take allegations extremely seriously and take the appropriate action. Okay, uh, this is the man who's heading, this, this is Canada's top soldier. Uh, what do you think Canadians have, and there is due process, let's be clear about that, but what do you think Canadians should be told here about the nature of the allegations against them? Do they have a right to know whether it's about misappropriation of funds, whether it's about something else, whether it's about sexual misconduct? Do you think Canadians have a right to know what's happening here? Obviously, Canadians do have a right to know, but in our democracy, the police is, are independent um, of any political system. And in this case here, that's exactly what is happening. It'll be up to them to conduct the, the investigation, and at the appropriate time, the information uh, will be allowed to come out. But it can only be done once the investigation is completed. I do not have the authority to be able to release that, that, that information, nor should we. That's interference. That's part of the reason why we have to make sure that we have fairness in the process. When okay. somebody does come forward, we want to l l make sh allow them the opportunity so that to have their information heard, to have an investigation that, that's done, have fairness in, in the process. So if their justice needs to be done, it's done in the appropriate okay. way. Okay, so let me, let me circle back here. I'm not talking about his role. I understand there are limitations on what you can say about that. I'm talking about your role and your government's role. Did you or anyone else in your government know about the allegations or investigation when your government appointed Admiral McDonald to replace General Vance in December? One thing I can say, these allegations um, were, were recent and that it, uh, action was immediately uh, taken. What I can also say that the, the appropriate, the, uh, the selection process was extremely uh, thorough, but any action that was taken was done very recently. Okay, so you're, you're saying that you were not aware of any investigation or allegations when he was appointed to the job in December? I can assure you that uh, everything was, um, that we have learned was recent.
Okay. Um, what have you been told? Uh, I can't. I don't know how I get to, to answer that question. What I can tell you in terms of one, um, I can't talk about any uh, investigation. It is independent. And I'm sorry to keep repeating that, but it's very important uh, for, for me to say. But what's really important here is that the, what the actions that we're taking, okay. that the neuro, zero tolerance policy, that regardless of rank, regardless of position, that we are going to be taking the appropriate action here. We want women uh, who f to feel comfortable to come forward with Do their information so that they can be heard because this is exactly what, what, what is needed. And they need to know that regardless of rank, whether, whether you're um, uh, Admiral General or even a corporal, right. that you will get the fair opportunity to have your allegations heard and investigated. All right, but they also, they also, I mean, look what's, hap what's happening around uh, General Vance. Uh, now we have uh, an investigation into Admiral McDonald. So, um, you know, this once again does raise, I think you'd acknowledge, uh, questions about the vetting process. And, and, and I guess people wonder, why is there an investigation underway into allegations of, of s some kind of inappropriate be behavior involving the new chief of the defense staff after he's been appointed? And I know you say the, the, this has come to light recently. So in terms of the vetting process, I, I think there are really only a couple of options here. Either the vetting process failed, or the vetting process turned a blind eye. Which is it? One thing I can assure you, there was no blind eye turn. We are very serious when it comes to any uh, type of act, uh, behaviors like this. We want the appropriate leadership in charge of the Canadian Armed Forces. A very thorough process uh, was was taken uh, taken place. But regardless of what process that was taken. Any allegation that ever comes up, regardless of what time, needs to be thoroughly investigated. And that's exactly what has been done. Um, as I stated, um, uh, we need to take uh, uh, take the appropriate action. And that's exactly okay. what is happening here. Just very quickly, I, I'm out of time, just a quick final question. It's raised uh, renewed calls now for outside oversight. The military investigates itself, and that's what's happening in this case. Are you considering an independent inspector general to oversee these kinds of cases in the military? Or perhaps calling in the RCMP to examine these allegations? Well, first of all, the, the current uh, CFNIS is actually independent uh, of the Chena Command. However, everything is does it, does it not re Does it not report to the, the uh, Deputy Chief of Defence Staff? When it comes to when it comes to the investigation, it is independent of the uh, of the chain of command. The provost marshal, when it comes to the organization, does report to the vice chief of uh, defense staff. Mm -hmm. But when it also comes to independence of the current investigation, that's a decision that CFNIS and the investigators will have to make on, on their own. Having said this. Given the whole context of the, the culture change that we're looking at, everything is currently on the table. We will look at the various independence uh, or, or, or uh, the independence of organization so that we can make improvements to the system. All right. Uh, Defense Minister Harjit Sajjan, uh, thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate it, sir. Great. Thank you. All right. We've heard from the Minister of Defense on this uh, developing story involving the uh, newly appointed Chief of the Defense Staff. Now let's hear from opposition MPs. James Bazan is the defense critic for the official opposition and Randall Garrison is the defense critic for the NDP. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for your time tonight. Mr. Bazan, the minister says these allegations against Admiral McDonald came to light and the investigation began after he was appointed. We're hearing it uh, started a month or so ago. But uh, the point he's suggesting is that the government had no knowledge of this prior to the appointment. So do you accept that explanation? Look, I am angry and upset that here we are with the second CDS under investigation, a cloud of 
secrecy being uh, spouted out by by Minister Sajan, not explaining to Canadians or to our troops why uh, the CDS has had to step aside and what the uh, allegations or why the investigation has taken place. So, you know, we're hearing based upon media reports that this hap- this investigation started before he was uh, appointed the CDS. We're, we don't know what it is. We don't know if it's part of the investigation into John Vance. We don't know if it's allegations against him directly. It could be, you know, misconduct on, on, on all different types of levels. And, you know, we shouldn't leave be left to speculation. The minister should provide clarity because Canadians and our troops deserve to know. We we have, uh, right. you know, the confidence and trust of, of everyone in the leadership, including Minister Van, uh, Sajan, uh, being eroded because of this, this this shroud of secrecy that okay. they continue okay. to mm-hmm. cover themselves in. And mm-hmm. that has to stop. Mr. Garrison, what's your view here on how this story is unfolding and what the minister is prepared to say or not say? Well, the clear implication here, this is another uh, allegation of sexual misconduct that we're dealing with. And I will give uh, uh, Admiral McDonald credit for stepping aside at this point. And I guess my, my main question to the, to the Minister of Defence goes back to, if you want Canadians to have confidence, and if you want people in the military to have confidence that you're taking sexual misconduct seriously, then you have to do more than just say we have zero tolerance. That's an aspiration. It's not a policy. It's not an action. And so what we need to know uh, in this case is, when did the minister know about the allegations of the chief of defense staff? Because what seems to be the case was that the minister knew for more than two years, nearly three years, and the chief of defense staff was able to serve out his term and retire with honor and get a pay increase, all while being accused of sexual misconduct. Well, you're talking about, just to be clear, you're talking about General Vance here. General Vance. if, If all of that is true, then how can anyone have confidence that the government is taking seriously the attempts to, uh, to get rid of sexual misconduct but where, in the where, military. But where we are now, Mr. Bazan, Bazan, there is, you know, there's due process required here. This is the top soldier in the land. So I guess how much should we be told about the allegations while an investigation is still underway? We don't want to politically interfere in the investigation, but it is inherent upon the minister to explain why there's an investigation. Why is there, uh, you know, why did Admiral McDonald have to step to the side? Uh, And and I I, I agree with Randall. It's a good thing he did because we want to make sure that there is no way that they can intimidate that investigation as as the country's top command. And do you find it interesting the minister, uh, and I asked him a number of times that in his answer, look, that he voluntarily stepped aside. So he, he wasn't fired and he wasn't ordered to step aside no. by the sounds of it. Uh, does that raise other questions that he was allowed and to I say, look, I'm... I'm, I'm questions. <laughs> again, again, we have uh, Minister Sajan not doing his uh, job as Minister of National Defense. You know, we had uh, retired Colonel Michel Drapeau, who, who's a military justice yeah. expert, say that uh, under the General Vance allegations that there was a lot that the minister is responsible for doing, including starting a board of inquiry into these allegations back yeah. when, you know, we first learned about them, like Minister... Sajan was told about Vance's allegations back in March of 2018, three years ago. And here we are, and we're still only getting down to the basis of that, uh, of, of this uh, whole investigation. Oh, okay, Mr. Mr. Garrison. Uh, t- 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 this country deserve to have a safe and respected okay. work environment. And that is what, we, at the end of all of this, 
we have to ensure that they are properly taken care of. All right, does, Mr. Garrison, time, time's running tight here, but I'll, let, me, let me get to you. Uh, do, does this call out for a, a different way of doing things here? We have what people have referred to as the military investigating itself here. Uh, does there need to be an independent oversight uh, given uh, what seems to be these continuing problems in the, in, in the uh, Department of National Defense? Well, I guess what I would say first off is that uh, the NDP has been calling for a military ombudsman that reports to parliament that has full independence and does not report to the Minister of Defense. Uh, we've been calling for that for the whole 10 years I've been in Parliament. And that would be a good start on being able uh, to get some answers to these questions. And we wouldn't be dependent, as we are in this case, of the Minister saying, well, uh, he reports to me and he reported to me, but I can't tell you what he told me. Uh, if we had an independent military ombudsman, then that officer would report to Parliament and we would get some real answers about what's happened here. All right. Well, the, min the Minister, uh, in, at the end of our interview, suggested he's open to... Uh other ways of uh, doing things, and uh, that idea of outside oversight is one of them, uh, he has said. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you both for your time. Uh, we'll continue to follow this story, but uh, take care. Thank you. Canada's Auditor General has issued a series of new reports today identifying some good and, well, not so good results for the way key federal programs are being managed. Let's start with shipbuilding. The Auditor General found the national shipbuilding strategy missed the mark on delivering new vessels in time to meet Canada's domestic and international obligations, and attempts to address the delays were not effective. Several vessels may have to be retired before the replacements have been delivered. On First Nations drinking water, that audit cited a lack of funding and outdated policies for slowing efforts to provide safe drinking water. Long-term water advisories remain in effect in 60 First Nations, 28 of those are more than 10 years old. On rail safety, the Auditor General found Transport Canada doesn't know whether its improved oversight measures have actually worked to improve rail safety. And despite repeated recommendations over the past 14 years, Transport Canada hasn't bothered to measure the performance of the safety management systems implemented by the railway companies. Canada's Auditor General Karen Hogan joins me now. Uh, Auditor General, good to see you. It's our first chance to uh, speak, so congratulations on your appointment. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Let's begin with the shipbuilding uh, audit. This is kind of like a broken record for Canadians on defense procurement. Can, can you explain why almost all of these major shipbuilding projects are so backed up and who's to blame for that? So in our audit on the national shipbuilding strategy, uh, we looked at whether or not um, the government was managing the contract in a way so that the ships would uh, arrive in a timely fashion. Um, and what we found is that there were uh, there were delays, and um, you know those delays were. I believe as a shared responsibility between both the government and uh, and the shipyards. What we saw were uh, delays um, and uncertainty in sort of the design and needing to refine that, uh, which then led to delays in production. And, you know, once the first ship, which is a really critical one mm -hmm. to get built, is delayed, there's a bit of a ripple effect on, on all the other ships. Um, the shipyards also um, had not yet achieved their target state, and target state is is a really important metric to make sure that um, you don't deal with the sort of boom and bust of, of the shipbuilding um, industry and that there's a, a consistent flow in order to manage the delivery of ships that were needed under under the strategy. All right. Only two of the four new vessels scheduled for delivery in January you, you found of last year were actually delivered and both were late. Uh, how concerned are you that, uh, that old vessels will have to be uh, in fact, retired before replacement vessels are ready in some of these uh, key procurement programs. 
So I am I am quite concerned um, because uh, there there was uh, you know as you said lots of delays and uh, the, the department did take some action during our audit in order to be able to realign and hopefully put the strategy back on track, but there's very little wiggle room and some of that wiggle room uh, likely was eaten up by some of the delays on the government side and the shipyard side because of the pandemic. Mm. And so the government really does need to stay focused now on on monitoring um, how that strategy uh, goes forward so that further delays, um, you know, aren't aren't suffered because, you know, interim capabilities uh, will only last so long. Okay, let, let's turn to drinking water and First Nations communities. What's it going to take for the federal government to finally resolve uh, these problems with drinking water in Canadian First Nations communities? I have to tell you, I'm, I'm rather disheartened by the whole situation with the drinking water. Uh, I, I think it's uh, completely unacceptable, and I'm sure that anyone who reads our audit report would agree, uh, that in Canada in 2021, there are so many uh, First Nations communities that don't have access to safe drinking water. Um, what, what we saw as some of the reasons for the government not meeting its commitment to raise all long-term drinking water advisories by March of this year uh, was a few things. Um, we saw a funding formula that was quite outdated, almost 30 years since it has mm-hmm. been looked at. And, and that really makes sure that the First Nations have the adequate resources. And right now, the, the financial resources aren't meeting their needs. Uh, and you saw that by operators who, um, you know, they can't really retain skilled operators for the water systems because right now they're earning about 30% less than their counterparts. Uh, So there is that. And then there's also sort of the legislative framework that's needed there. There is an act that was put in place, but the guidelines that really like put the act into, 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 you know, tangible terms for people haven't been worked on yet. So there's a few things that they need to work on uh, to find long-term solutions. Let's, uh, let's, finish. Uh, there were five reports today. I'm dealing with three of them tonight. Let's let's talk about rail safety. Transport Canada has implemented a whole bunch of new oversight measures, but are they working? Well, I think that's exactly what we found in our audit, that uh, we, we were pleased to see that they had made progress on the recommendations that we made in 2013. So this audit was a follow-up of the audit we did eight years ago. And we found that they took extra action. So they were doing more inspections and following up on the corrective measures that um, rail companies were taking. They actually increased uh, some of their audits on the safety management systems in railway companies. But where it fell short, uh, and it's a really important uh, thing, is that they weren't measuring whether or not all this increased activity was actually having an impact on on rail safety. And if you're going to invest that much time and effort and money, it's important to know whether those resources are are actually um, making a difference. Okay. Uh, Just to quickly finish off, I always ask auditors this final question. Is your office satisfied with the level of cooperation and commitment uh, to action that you receive from the government from, uh, from these audits? We are satisfied with the the interaction that we had during the audits uh, with all the departments that that we um, audited. Absolutely, um, I I do have to say that I, I I'm concerned by the length of time that it's taken to take action on rail safety, mm. and and honestly uh, very saddened by this the state of lack of access to drinking water. Uh, but there there's a goodwill there, um, and it's time to really take action to look at sort of those root causes and, and whether or not the government's actions are making a real difference in the lives of Canadians. All right. Canada's Auditor General, uh, Karen Hogan, uh, thank you for your time this evening. Good to talk to you. Thank you. You too. 
Well, COVID-19 infections uh, continue to moderate mostly across Canada. There's concern, though, about the spread of variants of concern and how they might drive cases back up. Modeling numbers released in Ontario today suggest the variants could make up about 40% of all cases in Ontario by the second week of March. And that would likely result in a spike in new cases and hospitalizations. In a worst-case scenario, Ontario could be looking at 4,000 new cases a day by the end of March. Rewa Dionandan is an epidemiologist and associate professor at the University of Ottawa. He frequently joins us to talk about the latest on the pandemic. He's with us now. Uh, Ray Dionandan, uh, thanks for being with me again tonight. There, look, there's concerns across Canada over the rise and spread of COVID-19 variants of concern. These new Ontario models suggesting as many as those 40% of all new infections caused by variants by mid-March. How worrisome is that? It's pretty worrisome. Now, the the likelihood of a third wave has always been based on whether or not the new variants would become dominant. In fact, the variants will probably be the mechanism of a third wave. So as we're opening up the economy in parts of the country, that's what we're concerned about, the rate at which these new variants take hold and become dominant. The Ontario public health officials today called it uh, akin to, to a minefield lying ahead of the people of Ontario. What's the best way to get through it? Okay, so the rate of increase in cases is dependent on several factors. Number one is the amount of contacts that we have. This is why lockdowns work. We limit the number of contacts. Number two is uh, characteristics intrinsic to the virus, the extent to which uh, the degree of infection matters, the extent to which the, uh, the infectious load matters. We can't control those things. We can control the amount of susceptibility in the population through vaccination. So again, two things we can control, the amount of contacts we have and the amount of vaccination we deploy. That's what will get us out of this. All right. Uh, we're already seeing uh, cases creep back up somewhat in parts of Ontario as the restrictions and stay-at-home orders are lifted. Uh, do these latest uh, modeling numbers suggest that we need to be headed back to more restrictions? Is there any other way to uh, prevent things from getting uh, not just bad, but uh, really bad? It might mean that, but there are some other tools on the table, like better contact tracing and testing, voluntary restriction of contacts. We don't have to rush out to the grocery store all the time. We don't have to go meet our friends at the restaurants, even though they're open. We don't have to go to the gym, even though it's open. We can voluntarily restrict. And of course, vaccination. Vaccination is our best way to harden our population against this eventuality. Nothing is written in stone. These aren't predictions handed down by the Oracle. These are likely scenarios given possible behaviors and choices for us. The provinces uh, are stepping up their vaccination uh, plans and laying out uh, plans for the order of vaccinations in, in many cases. Ontario lagging a little bit behind in vaccinations and certainly questions about why it's taking till mid-March to set up an online registration system and uh, questions about who will administer the shots. Uh, do you think we sh should we have been better prepared than we are at this point? I think it's pretty clear we should have been better prepared. Look, we knew we'd need an online system months ago. Why is it taking this long to get one? Other countries, other states, other jurisdictions have them. We could use theirs and adapt them. I think we probably are. Uh, this could be handled well at the public health unit. So I think one good thing we're doing is handing down the responsibility to the local officials who have a long history of, of doing this kind of thing. So I have every faith that our local public health officials can handle this. But they have to be given the time and the resources to manage it. All right, lots to watch in the uh, days and weeks ahead. Uh, as always, uh, great to talk to you, uh, Raywat Dionandan. Uh, take care, we'll talk again. Thank you. And that is all the time we have for another edition of Primetime Politics from all of us here at CPAC. Thanks for watching. Until next time.